You're listening to WorkWire, sponsored by Career Club and Sherm. Career Club has a range of services aimed at job seekers with an empathetic approach. Whether you are a job seeker yourself, know someone who is in job search, or an HR professional looking to bring a more empathetic approach to transitioning employees, check out career.club. If you are an HR professional seeking to enhance your skills, subscribe to Sherm and explore their extensive resources. Visit Sherm.org. That's SHRM.org. Hello, everybody. This is Bob Goodwin, president of Career Club, joined by my good friend, Johnny C. Taylor, Jr. for the latest episode of The Workwire. Johnny, how you doing? I am doing really well. Boy, don't we have a lot to talk about this week. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So hold on to your hat. This is going to be a, a hot topic. So one of the things when we were even kind of ideating on the work wire and sort of what was the spirit of it was what's in the news right now? What's going on in society? What's going on in the workplace? And let's talk about it. And so today's topic is going to be around inappropriate behavior in the workplace. And we got three examples to start with. And we'll, we'll sort of pick the thread up from there. But just to, to catch listeners up very quickly, uh, the first episode is the CEO of BP, giant global corporation. CEO Bernard Looney just resigned after admitting that he had not been fully transparent about historical relationships with colleagues. Uh, in May 2022, the board received and reviewed allegations with the support of external legal counsel relating to Mr. Looney's conduct in respect of personal relationships with company colleagues. The information came from an anonymous source, the statement said, I'm reading from a company release, um, that a small number of historical relationships with colleagues prior to becoming CEO, uh, but they found no breach of the code of conduct. We'll have to talk about that too. Further allegations of a similar nature were received recently and the company began a separate investigation. So that's one, the BP CEO. Second, Michigan State football coach. So uh, the university suspended Mel Tucker without pay amid a sexual harassment investigation. This is ironic on top of ironic. Brenda Tracy, a rape survivor and prominent sexual assault prevention advocate, alleged Tucker of abusive behavior and sexual harassment, which actually he's not denying. And it's pretty graphic. So I'm not sure we're going to go into all the details of what he did, but it's out there and you can go read for yourself. Not good. And then lastly, uh, I guess last month, the Spanish women's national soccer team won the World Cup. That's a big deal. And it's especially a big deal in a country like Spain. So the president of the Spanish Soccer Federation, Luis Rubiales, was suspended by FIFA for giving an unwanted kiss to one of the Spanish players, Jenny Hermoso. Well, he just, he's finally announced after weeks and weeks of pressure to resign. But if you've seen it in the news, he actually kissed her full on the lips. Yeah. And yeah. then afterward, even grabbed his crotch. So there's sort of three recent, just really like what is going on in the workplace, Johnny? Yeah, I, <laughs> you can't make it up. I mean, like where have these guys been over the last mm, five years at a minimum? Like if they've been under a rock somewhere, not to know that, you know, on various levels, uh, this is problematic. What's really interesting, Bob, is, you know, I'm a lawyer by training, as you know, a yeah. former labor and employment, get that out, <laughs> labor and employment practitioner. And I got to tell you, the the problem here is even when it doesn't technically arise to the level of sexual harassment, that's a defined term 
in, in our law. So it's not as if, you know, these people are necessarily violating a, a law. Mm-hmm. The problem is that was the standard. That was the standard five years ago. You know, we went in, we conducted investigations, and if we could not corroborate it or confirm that there was a violation of the law, then slap on the risk, or in many instances, we just ignored it. Mm-hmm. And we encouraged the person not to engage in that behavior anymore. Well, what's happened in times, in recent times, is the standard is not, did you violate the law? It is, did you use good judgment? Mm. And thus your choice of the word inappropriate. Like it's really silly to be in these very senior positions, just practically speaking, to engage in questionable, inappropriate behavior, even if it doesn't rise to the level of sexual harassment under the law. Well, so that's actually, that's great to know. And particularly for, for, any HR practitioners, you know, just kind of understand that distinction. I want to go back to just a little bit on the uh, the BP CEO, yes. Mr. Looney. By, by the way, Bob, you won't believe this. I was with him two and a half weeks ago at the B20 in India, like literally sitting with him. And so this is, it hit me especially, uh, you know, sort of personally because I was with him. That's that, well, wow. Um one of the things is where even the company's saying, but it was a, why they need this club? It was a small number of inappropriate relationships. Well, one is a big number right. in this context and somehow trying to minimize that. Well, it wasn't a lot of them. Like, what does that even mean? That That's crazy. And then to your point about living under a rock, Me Too right. was 2017. Right. That's six years ago. Harvey Weinstein complete disaster. Like you can't not know right. that right. this is not cool. And even to your point, even when it doesn't reach the standard of illegal, mm-hmm. it's just wrong. Yeah. Because it calls it, it, first of all, a CEO basically takes an allegiance to do no harm to their business. Right. And to the extent we're talking about it, you've done harm. Yes. Even if it does, again, if it doesn't get you in the front of a tribunal or a court, doesn't the fact that we're talking about it, and you know they're in the fossil fuels business. This is not exactly a, a loved industry right now, right? Uh, whether one believes environmentally it's not safe, or one is paying now hundred dollars to fill up their gas tank, like this is not the place to be right yes. now. So he literally has compromised the company, and we've seen the stock take a tumble on account of this. While many of the other companies right now doing really well in that sector because of the prices of, of, of oil. So he's done, violated the number one rule, which is you do no harm. We're not going to pay you to do things that harm the company. And that's what he did here. But even more troubling is the fact that he is fortunate enough to work with a board, it appears. Now, everything I say is limited by we're subject to what we know publicly available, right? But he had an opportunity to disclose it. This is the big issue. And if you think back, this happened to the CNN guy, this happened to a series of these where you are with an organization that says, particularly if you've been with the company for a long time, in this case, BP's now former CEO had been there a long time, kids' date at work, 
We're not surprised. And when I use the term kids, they're adults, but you get my point. Early in your career, you see someone in the workplace and because of proximity bias and everything, you, you, you know, we're not naive. Sherm research says that a quarter, as many as 26%, I think the number is 24, 25, 6% of people admit having had workplace relationships. But the issue is what you did 30 years ago when you were 25 versus what is okay when you're 45 or 55 and you are going up the corporate that, that's wall, yeah right show yeah. it's questionable judgment now you're in an organization which says tell us about it because you've been here so long we assume you may have had some data but you continue so your behavior never changed although your title your office and your pay did you know, to your earlier point about, you know, does it reach the standard of breaking the law? We, we are innocent until proven guilty. So anybody can say anything doesn't mean that it actually happened or the way that you know, every side of the story sounds good till you hear the other side That's of right. the story. Right. But all these folks that we're talking about are basically admitting like that. Well, I mean, like, but like the one guy's admitting it. The other guy, it's like, well-known the third guy it's on tv globally like there's nothing to not know about this my question is well, really kind of two things i wanted to just sort of talk out for a minute seriously why are we still here talking about this and and it seems to be based on three recent data points it's men who are sort of the perpetrators again that's more legal than it needs to be but you get my point what's going on why is this still happening in, in in these cases, why haven't men figured this out yet? Well, so I'm going to unpack those two because they're really important points. Number one, uh, it is we're human beings and human beings will do this. We know that the sign on the street in the front of the neighborhood that we frequent, that we drive past every day says don't exceed 45 miles per hour. And we do it. So there is a part of the reality of the human experience where people are going to do dumb things. People know it's like you know some things, but you do other things. And it's just the reality. So I don't want to over-index on this particular sin, if you will, because people do dumb things. What is concerning, and I think it's a fair question, is, is this over-indexing on males making these mistakes? Well, let's face it. Most CEOs are men. I want to, I want to say, because you're right, that there's a power dynamic. Right. That, that's related to us. Go ahead. Some of it's power, but some of it is just pure math. Of the Fortune 500, 10% or so are women, which means 90% are men. So you're going to have a higher, you know, headline. Yeah. There'll be more headlines of men having these inappropriate behaviors. That's not, so, so let's start just math says we're going to hear about men doing it more. And then let's be honest, there's also a social construct. And you and I have been talking about this over time where a woman engaging this behavior with a man, and let's assume they're heterosexuals, right? Let's assume a woman CEO were doing this with a man. The chance of a man publicly saying, you know, I was sexually harassed. We know that men are sexually harassed as a matter of fact in the workplace, but they're not as likely to bring such a case forward, even when it's open. So, and again, I'm not, this is not a male versus female or men are better than women. I'm actually trying to pull us away from that. Right. These are people who, irrespective of their race, don't have good judgment. They don't practice good judgment. It happens to be that we hear about men a lot because 90% of CEOs, Fortune 500 are men. I would really, I really feel strongly that we shouldn't read more into that because 
it's just behavior. Human beings do what human beings do. They're sexual in nature. And you have this thing that happens when you spend most of your waking hours with people that you know, you're tempted to engage in behavior that you shouldn't do. Even if you know the risks are significant and the costs are even more significant. Wait, okay. So, so thank you for kind of grounding us in the math. Right. I want to go back to the power though, is when you reach a certain level in an organization, there can kind of be the belief that I'm the, the ruler of all that I survey, right? And, and that there's this unhealthy attitude about I've, I've got all the power and I can do whatever the hell I feel like because I can. But Bob, and again, you, that's why I love the work because we are, this is what we, we push each other on these topics. Many of these men are pursued. They are not the predator. So there's, you know what I mean? In the sense that people look at them and say, this person is powerful. They make a lot of money. I'd like to be, I'm watching Succession, by the way. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the show, but the reality is we shouldn't jump to these guys who are predators going around the organization looking to take advantage of people who were junior to them. They are also being aggressively pursued in the workplace by virtue of all of those attribute, attributes of being a CEO. No excuse. I don't want anyone listening in to say Johnny's trying to rationalize it or, or explain it away. I'm not. I'm just saying, let's make sure that we don't position all of these situations as these people being victims. In fact, many of these instances, they, they are consensual, sometimes just admittedly. I can, two people said, remember the case? Oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. It was just like you said recently, CNN. It was a CNN. The chief marketing officer said like, listen, I'm not claiming sexual harassment. I, I wanted to be in this situation. He wanted to be in a situation. The company is saying it's not in our best interest. It's just not. And right. we gave you an opportunity. In fact, you, Mr. CEO, in the case of CNN, promulgated the rule. The rule said you must disclose it. And then guess what? You didn't disclose it. That's a lot of what this is about. So I'm not suggesting that they're not one, as you pointed out, too many sexual harassment cases where power is used to force someone into a relationship is problematic. One is too many. But I think we have to make sure that we know the facts. We shouldn't assume that everyone in these situations, every woman in these situations or every man in this situation is the person who used. The right. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point, comma, having comma. said that. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. There's a workplace safety issue here. Yes. And people need to feel safe at work and that, that they're not being preyed upon. I'm going to go back and quote myself. Every story sounds good till you hear the other side. So it needs to be not a rush to judgment That's that right. just automatically, well, he's a bad person and he you know, was uh, you know, being, uh, it's, it's on him. Right. F find out the facts. That's your point. However, you know, because of the math, that, that it tends to be men in the, you know, uh, power role yes. in the company, yes. that, that there's a there's a better than good reason to just fully explore something and make sure that the workplace, the, the, the I mean, we're going to get back to values and integrity, right? I mean, like with the BP guy, they knew about this from before, and so yet it still kept happening. Well, now, then that's the question. And now we're going to step into some thorny stuff. You knew it. 
you know, uh, what is it? The leopard doesn't change their stripes or whatever. They have dots. I think they have spots and tigers have stripes. <laughs> no, which one they have. But the fact of the matter is there's a certain amount of culpability for the board. Yes. You did. This guy didn't surprise you. Uh, many times these are the dirtiest little well-known secrets, right? And the board decided that it was willing to hire someone who had this history and promote that person and keep them. And frankly, I dare suggest they would have, he would have still been in his role if they hadn't received a whistleblower comp, uh, uh, complaint. complaint. It's not, you know, that's the other thing is we got to be really be honest with ourselves and say how much of this. In fact, I was quoted in extensively an article in Financial Times yesterday and spoke to this. Boards have to tighten their rules on this because they are assuming some of the risk too when you hire someone. Part of the recruitment process is to do a background check. And I'm not just talking criminal checks, et cetera. And again, please, every one of us in the early parts of our career likely had some poor judgment. This is not that you did something 20, 25, 30 years, you know, and forever you therefore have poor judgment because we grow into our judgment through our experiences. But when you have a senior person who continues to engage in a pattern and practice of behavior and you hire that person, shame on you. Because in some ways, and I'm not rationalizing his behavior, but he showed you who he was and you were okay with it. Yeah. So, so to the board part, the board part's very interesting because, you know, now we can kind of bridge into shareholders versus stakeholders. Yes. So let's say that Mr. Looney was a very good CEO from the perspective of their share price, market capitalization, everybody's making a bunch of money and nobody wants to pop that balloon because this has been a pretty good ride. So to your point, like maybe we can just Maybe we can sweep this part under the rug because we don't want to talk about that because we're making a bunch of money. Right. Well, it, but but that's where, that this is again back to where values that's are very right. easy to post on the wall yeah. and they're really, really hard to live out. And the thing about integrity is you only know integrity when it's called into question. That, integrity. That's when you get called on. Right. And, and to that point, Weinstein. Hollywood knew who Weinstein was. I mean, it, it, it just didn't happen overnight. This was not a single instance of poor judgment because we hope that we all won't, but all of us will have instances in some context of, of, of poor judgment. But when you see this pattern in practice, again, the question is that person's virtu- uh, uh, values, but it also speaks to the organization's values because an organization exactly. will promote someone who knowingly and recently and repeatedly has engaged in this behavior, decided to promote that person and trade off the financial benefits for all of these other risks, then they've got to look at the, really take a real real long period of introspection and say, who are we? Do we actually live the, the guiding principles and the values that we say we espouse? Legally, would the board be culpable? You know, I've, I'm going to say this and I'm going to, put my legal hat on, but also say I'm not giving advice. Let me tell you something. I would not be surprised if they don't get some sort of shareholder derivative lawsuits. If in fact it is determined that the board knew that he had a propensity for this behavior or knew that he in fact had done it in the past and chose to turn a blind eye, especially if these shareholders lost money. See, that's the real deal. If And we saw BP's stock dropped as a result of it. So if I'm a shareholder, I absolutely have a 
decent claim, if not a great claim, I don't, I'm not here to judge the merits of it, that says, I lost money because you, board members, decided to hire and promote someone who you knew posed a risk. and Reputational know, risk. And financial risk, like real dollars and cents. If we lost 2% of our share value that day, yes. So I wouldn't be surprised if you, you didn't see this. And increasingly, especially in a publicly traded company, that's why boards are all talking about this from a governance standpoint. You will sue the board and the business, the company, if in fact you assumed that risk with my money. Yeah, there you go. So let's just talk about, you know, everything from back to the boardroom. Leadership starts at the top. Right. It does. Yes. And, and again, you know, we can claim one thing, but what we do is another. And, right. and so are we really going to walk the talk? Um, and and the, the, the modeling of, of behavior. Like, do we tolerate this behavior? I'll even go to your example, Johnny, of where actually the person in power is being pursued. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, right. Like, it's like, no, like no. that is verboten. No, no, and no. And I'm going to run this organization. I'm going to model the behavior that we do not tolerate this. Well, you expect it. I mean, I will tell you as the CEO and, you know, I, Yes, I'm, I do what I do and people, members, employees, you know, people are drawn to the power and the aura of it. And as such, there's a lot of times when you have to decide I'm the adult here. I go on business trips and yes, I, I'm pursued. Thank God still they're looking, but it's my job to say, uh -uh. I represent Sherm and our 326,000 members every day. I represent our HR profession, whether you're in Sherm, a Sherm member or not, 1.4 million people in the US. And my decision to engage in behavior that compromises uh, the elevation of HR, which is our primary pursuit and purpose, means I should not be in my job, period. Do, do we need new policies, Johnny, or do we need to just enforce the ones we've got? We, two things we need. I, I, so, yeah, I absolutely I'm not a big policy guy because this you can't legislate your way out of poor judgment. Right. Whether there was a rule on the books or not forbidding me as a CEO from engaging in and, you know, relationships with someone at Sherm uh, doesn't really matter. My judgment should say, no, that's a bad idea. Uh, an employee, like it's, there's just no upside to it. Again, once you get to that CEO spot, spot, I made the point in my Financial Times article that lower in your career, people will make these mistakes. And, yeah. and some of them are mistakes and some aren't, you know, there's two different standards, but you're talking about a very senior level, the owner of a team in the case of the Spanish team or, or whatever, senior person, you're talking about the CEO of a major, you know, business global, like there's no set of circumstances that justifies that poor decision-making. Can you make a policy to, yeah, I mean, we have policies. They had a policy in the case of BP, I'm told, that says you're supposed to disclose it. Apparently he didn't care. CNN clearly had a policy didn't care. So passing another policy, while there's value in being clear with people, what are the parameters? I don't think yes. it stops poor judgment. Yeah, no, there you go. Being with you that policy statements are important because they're guardrails and they tell people what behavior is acceptable and what the consequences will be. But I'm also saying, I don't think it stops anything. Someone who does not have enough self-discipline and good judgment to, you know, they're not going to be stopped because of a policy. 
If I'm the CHRO, I'm, I'm making this up, but we'll just, just use the BP example. Yes. I'm the CHRO of BP. I know what Mr. Looney's doing. Yes. What's my responsibility or, or what should I do? Yeah, undeniably, your responsibility is to, again, protect the corporation, not the CEO. Now, if, for example, if I were in that situation and I heard rumors of it, or thought that my CEO had the propensity, because sometimes you'll sit around and watch and say, hmm, that person's awfully flirty with her or him or whatever, right? So then it's my job, my responsibility to sit down with the CEO and say, as your confidant, not your judge, not yeah. your mom or your father, but as your confidant, let me tell you, this is putting us and you at risk. Eh, you might want to be cognizant of that. If and I promise you, if that person ignores that advice, that is why in a publicly traded company and many private companies, you have a board. And that is when you either go to the board or the general counsel or to the head of the comp and org committee, you know, whatever you need to go, you have an obligation because ultimately you're trying to protect two things. You're trying to protect the shareholders and the stakeholders. And one of the critical stakeholder groups are your employees. Employees exactly. should not be subjected to this kind of behavior. Right, which is the point I was trying to make earlier about the difference between shareholders and stakeholders. Right. Yep, totally. Well, let's talk just for a moment and then start to wrap this up. But um, we're talking CEOs at the very highest levels of an organization. But let's say this is down sort of at the division level or just at a team level, yep. right? And I, I look after, you know, the customer success team at XYZ Company and, you know, just a normal employee, like I'm five layers away from the CEO of the company, do the same rules apply? So that's where it gets murky. And let me be clear, the rules from a legal consequence apply, surely they apply. The law is the law wherever you are on the globe, and that's what they are. There is clearly a different dynamic if two people who are equals or who are close to being equal. One is not reporting to the other if they choose to date. And here's where we're rubbing, Bob. The standard, the sort of customs in our society have changed. Historically, when you and I started out in our HR careers and legal careers, it was you just didn't do that. Now, I got to tell you, as we survey the millennials population and specifically Generation Z, eh, they're not as sort of conservative on that topic. And yeah. they say, I spend a lot of time at work and of course I'm going to date people at work and and we're going to have makeups and breakups. So you're seeing a very interesting swing in our culture, big C, not the organization's culture, but big society where there's more tolerance for people working at her, at, at, uh, dating people in the workplace. I think that's kind of smart in some ways because they were always doing it. They just went underground. And so, right, the people date. That's what you do. We have all sorts of data that says you're more likely to date someone at work and fall in love with someone at work because you spend a lot of time with them, quality time, da, 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 da. So what I would say is the standards are different from 20 years ago. They are definitely different between senior people and junior, more junior people. Yeah. And then the power dynamic. But that being said, if you are the lead at a fast food restaurant, you're still a 20-something-year-old person, da-da-da, and you have cashiers, let's say, who report to you. There is then a power dynamic. So you might as well be the CEO at that point, because for all intents and purposes, you are the CEO. Sure. 
over them. So that that's how I would distinguish it. It's not salary determined. It's that's not, right. Right. It's just if you have authority and power, the word you start this whole thing with, if I can control hiring, firing terms of, and conditions of employment, it's a bad idea. Even if the policy says you can't, because now we're seeing a lot of companies with policies that don't prohibit it. They may say you have to disclose it, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, it's just not the best use. It's not good judgment. That's the bottom. Yeah. So I I want to kind of end on a practical step. Yes. I'm somebody at work who feels unsafe because of this, compromised in some way, pressured in some way, what should I do? Well, so you have to go to human resources. That's our function. That's our responsibility. And I'm going to make a really important point. And I think I can say this as a, as a former labor and employment lawyer, not to the law department immediately, unless with that caveat, I got to be really clear. If you are unsafe, you have the right to go to the law department because you, they're illegal. But if this is a judgment call, because I've seen and been in this situation, you know, over the years where someone will come to you and say, I started out volunteering to do that. In fact, I asked him out on for lunch or whatever, but now it's gone too far. And mm-hmm. I don't know how to ensure that it doesn't go way too far. That's where human resources is a critical part of the solution. They can help get this back on track and they will also escalate it if they think we've crossed the line. So my suggestion is, and I'm sure some will debate this, but I think it starts with the visit to human resources because ultimately that's what's happening. You've got a relationship between two employees, the company's human resources. And so experts will do that. All of us in HR at a senior level have some compliance background or understand the implications of compliance. And yes. then it gets into the, I always suggest to not escalate it with one big caveat. If you are being made unsafe at work, psychologically, physically, et cetera, emotionally, then you you have an absolute right to go outside of the normal course. But I, I would say start with HR and they can maybe help solve for this. Yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of end on that is because whichever side of this that you're on, if, if you're being pursued in some way, it's making you uncomfortable. Take action. Yes. Take action. You don't have to be the victim or somehow pay the price for somebody else's inappropriate behavior. Let me yeah. just want to close. I got to say this. Please. The flip side is not even the flip side. That's not even a right way to describe this. We also have to take personal responsibility for our behavior. Yeah. So yes, bad CEO should be fired, etc. But you have an obligation not to put yourself in these situations either. And if they start consensual, it's such a slippery slope. You know, it just is even in a male dominated society. One of the writers, I think, University of California, San Diego says uh, it, it kind of is always a power dynamic, even if you had a man and a woman who were equally positioned in the organization, because men generally in 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 our construct are in a power position. So it's a really interesting thing. But I would just say, be always careful. This is it typically doesn't end well. If it works, then you're Barack and Michelle Obama, right? (laughs) Because people forget they started dating at work, okay? So if it works, but it's more likely not to work, so it's probably something you should just kind of avoid, even if you deem it consensual. I I said this in the last, I'm going to close with this, but it was so funny. I told him in an article, I said, 
There are 335 million people in this country. If your country in h- hires 50,000 people, even those are 50,000 people who are off limits, period. Mm, there you go. Well, what I love about the work wire, Johnny, is we talk about real issues, right? And this, I mean, this is not an easy topic to That's talk true. about. And, and yet we can learn from, from what other people are doing. Yeah, you talked about being young and, and uh, not exercising good judgment all the time. One of my favorite expressions is good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. Oh, I love that. It is so profound, right? It's why insurers charge more to insure kids to drive a car than an adult. Mm-hmm. So it just has to happen over time. So it's great. I love it. Awesome. Everybody, thank you so much. Uh, First of all, Johnny, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe, comment if you want. Also, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, please make sure that you rate and review. But we appreciate you investing a few minutes with Johnny and I here on The Workwire. Check out career.club for personalized help with your job search. Visit shrm.org to become part of the largest human resources organization worldwide.